Chapter 14 of Select Conversations with an Uncle, Now Extinct, and Two Other Reminiscences. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Select Conversations with an Uncle, Now Extinct, and Two Other Reminiscences by H.G. Wells. THE MAN WITH A NOSE I never see thy face, but I think upon hellfire, and Deves that lived in purple, for there he is in his robes, burning, burning. My nose has been the curse of my life. The other man started. They had not spoken before. They were sitting one at either end on that seat on the stony summit of Primrose Hill, which looks towards Regent's Park. It was night. The paths on the slope below were dotted by yellow lamps. The Albert Road was a line of faintly luminous pale green, the tint of gaslight seen among trees. The park lay black and mysterious, and still further, a yellow mist beneath the coppery hue in the sky above marked the blaze of the Marleybone thoroughfares. The nearer houses in the Albert Terrace loomed large and black, their blackness pierced irregularly by luminous windows. Above, starlight. Both men had been silent, lost apparently in their own thoughts, mere dim black figures to each other, until one had seen fit to become a voice also with this confidence. Yes, he said after an interval, my nose has always stood in my way always the second man had scarcely seemed to notice the first remark but now he peered through the night at his interlocutor it was a little man he saw with face turned towards him i see nothing wrong with your nose if it were luminous you might said the first speaker however i will illuminate it he fumbled with something in his pocket, then held this object in his hand. There was a scratch, a streak of greenish phosphorescent light, and then all the world beyond became black as a fusee vesta flared. There was a silence for the space of a minute, an impressive pause. Well, said the man with the nose, putting his heel on the light. I have seen worse said the second man. I doubt it, said the man with the nose. And even so, it is poor comfort. Did you notice the shape, the size, the color? Like Snowden, it has a steep side and a gentle slope. The size is preposterous. My face is like a hen-house built behind a portico. And the tents oh not all that red said the second man anyhow no there is purple and blue lapis lazuli blue as a vein over the madonna's breast and in one place a grayish mole bah the thing is not a nose at all but a bit of primordial chaos clapped on to my face but being where the nose should be, it gets the credit of its position 
from unthinking people. There is a gap in the order of the universe in front of my face, a lump of unwrought material left over, in that my true nose is hidden, as a statue is hidden in a lump of marble, until the appointed time for the revelation shall come, at the resurrection. But one must not anticipate. Well, well, I do not often talk about my nose, my friend. But you sat with a sympathetic pose, it seemed to me, and tonight my heart is full of it. This cursed nose. But do I weary you thrusting my nose into your meditations? If, said the second man, his voice a little unsteady, as though he was moved, if it eases your mind to talk of your nose, pray talk. This nose, I say, then makes me think of the false noses of carnival times. Your dullest man has but to stick one on, and lo, mirth, wit, and jollity. They are enough to make anything funny. I doubt if even an Anglican bishop could wear one with impunity. Put an angel in one. How would you like one popped on to you now? Think of going love-making, or addressing a public meeting, or dying gloriously in a nose like mine. Angelina laughs in your face. The public laughs. The executioner at your martyrdom can hardly light the faggots for laughing. By heaven, it is no joke. Often and often I have rebelled and said, I will not have this nose. But what can one do? It is destiny. The bitter tragedy of it is that it is so comic. Only God knows how glad I shall be when the carnival is over, and I may take the thing off and put it aside. The worst has been this business of love. My mind is not unrefined. My body is healthy. I know what tenderness is. But what woman could overlook a nose like mine? How could she shut out her visions of it, and look her love into my eyes, glaring at her over its immensity. I should have to make love through an inquisitor's hood, with its holes cut for the eyes, and even then the shape would show. I have read, I have been told, I can imagine what a lover's face is like, a sweet woman's face, radiant with love. But this Millbank penitentiary of flesh chills their dear hearts. He broke off suddenly with loud, ferocious curses. A young man, who had been sitting very close to a young woman, on an adjacent seat, started up and said, Shh! He whom the man with the nose had addressed now spoke. I have certainly never thought before of a red nose as a sorrowful thing, but as you put it, I thought you would understand. I have had this nose all my life. The outline was done even though the color was wanting in my school days. They called me Nosy, Ovid, Cicero, Rhino, and the Excrescence. It has ripened with the slow years as fate deepens in the progress of a tragedy. Love, the business of life, is a sealed book to me. To be alone. I would thank heaven, but no. A blind woman could feel the shape of it. Besides love, interrupted the young man thoughtfully, there are other things worth living for. Duty. 
an unattractive nose would not interfere with that some people think it is rather more important than love i admit your loss of course that only carries out the evidence of your voice and tells me you are young my dear young fellow duty is a very fine thing indeed but believe me it is too colorless as a motive there is no delight in duty you will know that at my age and besides i have an infinite capacity for love and sympathy an infinite bitterness in this solitude of my soul i infer that you would moralize on my discontent but i know i have seen a little of men and things from behind this ambuscade only a truly artistic man would fall into the sympathetic attitude that attracted me my life has had even too much of observation in it and to the sympathetic anthropologist nothing tells a man's character more than his pose after dark when nobody seems watching as you sit the black outline of you is clear against the sky ah now you are sitting stiffer and you are no calvinist my friend the best of life is its delights and the best of delights is loving and being loved and for that this knows well there are plenty of second best things after dark i can forget the monster a little spring is delightful air on the downs is delightful it is fine to see the stars circling in the sky while lying among the heather even this london sky is soothing at night though the edge is all inflamed the shadow of my nose is darkest by day but tonight i am bitter because of tomorrow why tomorrow said the younger man i have to meet some new people tomorrow said the man with the nose there is an odd look a mingling of amusement and pity i am only too familiar with my cousin who is a gifted hostess promises people my nose as a treat yes uh, that must be a uh, bad for you said the young man and then the silence healed again and presently the man with the nose got up and passed into the dimness upon the slope of the hill the young man watched him vanish wondering vainly how it would be possible to console a soul under such a burthen End of chapter 14 End of select conversations with an uncle now extinct and two other reminiscences by H. G. Wells